welcome back. Your eyes, your ears are not deceiving you, folks. This is, in fact, the Cyclone Family Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. As always, I am Jamie Steyer Johnson. Uh, I, I do apologize for the the unplanned layover. Uh, if you if you know me, you really should come to expect it at this point. But turns out, uh, working and calling games and uh, living a normal human life gets a little bit uh, much sometimes. So really excited to be back, really excited to be back podcasting and really excited to be back alongside, as always, my co-host, my brother, Eric Steyer. Eric, thank you so much for rejoining. Yep. Happy to be back. Yes. Yes, me too. And especially at a time when there is so much to talk about, a lot of positive uh, to talk about for Iowa State. Uh, specifically, you want to focus in on uh, the basketball programs. And man, what a what a start to the Big 12 season it's been for both of those teams. Um, let's let's start with the men, where you know the expectations were. I mean, I'll, I'll say very middling at, on average, uh, but. It's there was some people who I think felt like, hey, you know, we, we've got pieces that that could come together, especially after seeing how well the team came together last year. And there were some who were like, eh, maybe last year was kind of fluky. So uh, for Iowa State to come out of the gate the way that they have, uh, I, I was very, very impressed with um, to be sitting tied atop the conference eight games in um, that's, that's really impressive to me. I think that obviously having uh, a point guard like Taman and Lipsy able to really step up as a freshman and adjust to the way that uh, the big 12 plays um, more recently, I think that we're seeing maybe a few more minutes per game from uh, Oshun, just getting some of the fouls in check here and there, you know, and then of course, Jaron Holmes, uh, really, really been a force. Gabe Kalsher, I mean, a, a completely different player in Big 12 play thus far. Uh, what have you seen from the men's side as well as like compared to what you were kind of expecting? Did you did you have any real expectations? Because I know for me, I'm usually like a wait and see kind of person. I don't get into playing the expectation games, but I know you know the program, some of the guys a little bit better. Yeah, I'm, I was kind of in a wait and see as well because – um, I mean, yeah, I was I was with the team last year, but there's only four guys, mm-hmm. you know, coming back from last year. Most of the guys I had never really seen play, um, so I wasn't ex- exactly sure what to expect. I know we were picked seventh or eighth; I can't remember exactly where. But um, I think so far the biggest thing that I've seen, like that's been a pleasant. I don't know if I would say surprise, but just the thing I've been most pleased with is. Um, the offensive consistency has been a lot better this year compared to last year. Um, obviously, it's pretty well documented last year. The scoring droughts that the team would sometimes go through sometimes would last for full games. Um, this year, I think the just the balance in scoring is a lot better. And so I think that's been probably the biggest key. Um, and the improvement of guys who were, who were here last year. Um, I think all of them have improved from last year to this year. And so I think that's something that maybe people, I don't want to say they didn't expect, but like maybe didn't account for when projecting for this year. They were just kind of thinking about what we had last year and thinking that we would get the same thing this year. But I think that, you know, all all the guys who came back um, 
from last year into this year, they've all improved. Um, and, you know, shot making, shot selection, taking care of the ball, things like that. And then on the defensive end, the team, you know, I think some people were maybe thinking that there might be a drop off with um, losing, you know, Tyrese Hunter and Isaiah Brockington, but we haven't seen that at all this year on um, top 10 defense again. And so I think just the overall makeup of the team, just the balance and scoring and, you know, the defensive consistency being there, you know, adding Oshun down low obviously helps as well. But I think just all that combined kind of kind of leads to the team you know, exceeding expe- expectations from the public so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I know there was um, a little bit of that inkling of concern people had after Iowa State went on the road and dropped a game, a real close one to Oklahoma State. But I mean, what what I said when I was talking to people about that was, first of all, you had a team who was playing pretty close to their ceiling, I thought, in the couple games prior to that. You know, you go out there and you you really beat Texas in, in a very convincing manner. You and I were both at that game and it wasn't a blowout by any means, but Iowa State felt very, very solidly in control for a good chunk of that game. Um, you kept it really, really close with Kansas and and. You know, we don't have to tell anyone what it's like to play on the road at Allen Fieldhouse. And then, of course, you know, you you go back even further to absolutely pounding Texas Tech into the ground, which is, you know, looking like less of an accomplishment by the day. But it's solid. You know, you win a close one at TC. So all that to say that you've had a lot of really good games that don't all go your way. And you go and you drop one on the road that you feel like there's a solid chance you could win but at the same time you know you're still playing without alias Coons you're playing with a very hobbled Caleb Grill who's still obviously trying to bounce back from that uh back injury so it's I mean it is what it is you put yourself in a position that you can drop maybe one or two of those and still be in the conversation for uh winning the league but your your margin for arrow is pretty narrow but I, I think the bigger thing is you're discussing what needs to be done to win the league and that's something that uh not not quite as many people would have been predicting before the season so I've just been so impressed with the way Iowa State plays I can't wait for them to be back to full strength um that certainly will be nice to get a little bit of that depth back and then you're playing with house money this weekend go into the big 12 sec challenge if you win on the road at missouri great that's another good win if you don't i mean it it impacts very little about your team about your season so uh what what are you kind of thinking about this weekend going into the big 12 sec challenge any any big thoughts or just kind of a same deal house money kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do with like Caleb grill. He's obviously banged up. Um, I've seen some people saying that he should be held out, but um, I get the sense just knowing the, the team in the program, like they aren't going to you know, just treat it as an exhibition game or anything mm-hmm, like that. They're still mm-hmm. going to go out and give everything they can to win, but um, still you could, there's still a possibility that maybe you rest, sit him out if he's not feeling a hundred percent. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they'll do. You just don't but, have another opportunity like that the rest of the season. To yeah. Like get and a especially break if with the, one. I mean, if you've played the next Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe play him, but the fact that you're on the road again on Monday. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how he's feeling and everything mm-hmm. like that, but yeah, I think 
I don't want to say that there's less pressure on this game, but there kind of is because when it comes to the Big 12, but it's obviously you know, an old rival, still a game that you want to win, but it'll, it'll be tough going down there. I think they'll probably be fired up for that game. Missouri yeah. will be. So, um, yeah, it'll be a tough game. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when you're playing in the best conference in the country, like pretty much agreed upon, I don't know that there's a lot of argument for anyone else. Uh, the the out-of-conference games have a, a little bit less pressure on them. So like you said, I mean, they'll they'll certainly be ready. They'll certainly be treating it like uh, a big game as it is, but there's a lot more consequence on the rest of the games on the Big 12 slate. So we'll get to those when we get to those. But uh, let's flip over to the women's side. And obviously you you have a really, really big shift for Iowa State that occurred a couple games into conference season when Steph Sawadis went down with an ACL tear, um, is having surgery. This will come out on Thursday, so the day that this releases. Um, and that, that changes a lot uh, for Iowa State. She was the big key she was the big difference in a, in a very successful team from last year and not only uh did she go down but prior to her injury Beatrice Jordao had announced that she would be medically retiring just due to uh, prolonged continued issues with her knees and so you're now not only down your your transfer that was going to be making such a big difference but you're also down one of your post players from last year so all of a sudden you you have a really different uh, outlook a really different kind of makeup of the team so I I really didn't know what to expect there either because I had really high hopes I had really high expectations coming in uh, to the season and then you have to kind of I had to force myself into a wait and see because it'd be really easy to go into kind of a spiral and I think for a minute maybe I did but um Really impressed there too. I uh, nearly pulled that one out. the The game that Steph got injured was against Oklahoma and ended up only dropping that one by three points, which kind of a heartbreaker. Uh, with Oklahoma now sitting atop the conference, so I think they are about to lose to Texas, which will make it a big mess of a tie at the top of the conference. But very, very tough one there. Um, and then the other loss in conference play is, of course, on the road at Texas, where it was a 15 point loss, but stayed really close through three quarters. And then just kind of a comedy of errors there at the end to make it look a lot worse than it was for a good chunk of it. But I've just been so impressed with the way Iowa state's fighting. You've got Morgan Kane getting back in the game was very, very efficient, very productive against TCU. Um, a, oh, a rough, rough uh, TCU team, but who kept it close with, several other big 12 teams. So the absolute decimation that Iowa state doled out was pretty impressive, but Morgan Kane really been uh, getting, getting her feet back under her and Izzy Zingaro been really pretty impressive as well. You know, didn't even get quite as much opportunity last year with Morgan and B to soak up most of the post minutes to have her out there and, and able to execute, able to knock down shots, able to play defense is huge. Nymir Dew has really come a long way now, just knowing that she's, she's got to have a lot more in the tank to help Iowa state reach their full potential. So um, it, it's certainly been really fun for me just to watch these players as they, 
you know, they, they understand how much they're needed. You know, they, they were obviously needed to be at their best when called upon even before Steph goes down, but knowing that the margin for error is about as slim as it gets now for a team who had the, the highest expectations probably in program history coming into this season, it's really, really heartbreaking and really hard. It's now, you know, one of the biggest question marks in school history of, you know, what if Steph had finished out this particular season, but uh, the the ability of this team to bounce back. We're going to get into kind of why they may have that capability here in a few minutes. But uh, what have you seen on the women's side thus far versus, you know, kind of what your thoughts were obviously completely different coming into conference play, but then getting ready for that sort of realignment uh, without staff. I think the biggest thing recently um, has been the defense really stepping mm-hmm. up. Um, even without Steph, you know, that inside presence, um, you know, she was, if she wasn't leading the country in block shots, she was probably pretty close. She was right up there. Yeah. Yeah. And so not having that now, you would think that maybe uh, there'd be a drop off. And I think um, maybe for that Oklahoma game, there was Mm -hmm. um, just because we weren't exactly prepared for it. You're reeling. It happens two minutes into the game. What do you you do? It's hard to make a whole lot of adjustments, you know, so Oklahoma ended up scoring 82 points. But since then, you know, 56, you know, 56 to K-State, 68 to Texas, 64 to Oklahoma State, 50 to Kansas, and 35 to TCU. You know, like that like that Oklahoma State game, Oklahoma State's been scoring a bunch of points mm-hmm. recently. So, like, holding them to 64 is a really good accomplishment. Kansas to 50, obviously. Kansas they're... held them 25 under their average on the yeah. season. Yeah, so just I think the defense has been probably the biggest thing. And then we're recording after the – the TCU game, but um, looks like they started to knock down some shots in that TCU game, which um, I don't know. I just it just feels like they haven't been doing as much, mm-hmm. uh, at least as high of a percentage as last year. But you know, if maybe that can start to come around too, then maybe you can start to get a, on a little bit of a roll here in the next um, in the upcoming games. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've certainly been getting a lot of really good looks the entire season and slowly but surely in conference play, I think it's it's started to come on. They were uh, over 40% tonight against TCU, were 39% against Kansas, knocked down 12 to 31. Um, so certainly, certainly a big positive, something that Iowa State needed to get going when you have a little bit of a diminished inside presence uh, was 10 to 27, even going back to Oklahoma State. So that's three consecutive games games over 35% when prior to that really uh, had kind of been struggling to knock down those really good looks from outside Uh, to your point on the defense. I want to really highlight it's not news to anyone that Lexi Donarski really paces the defense. She has continued to be absolutely uh, beyond incredible this year. I'd have to do more homework than I do and pull up the notes on exactly what she's holding people as their primary defender, which I know that uh, Patrick Tarbox, Iowa State SID definitely puts that in the notes. So I could get that, but I'm not going to, you have to look it up yourselves folks, but she's been really, really good. But what I think has made such a big difference is, uh, having a, a nearly as good secondary defender in Danae Fritz. I mean, she's been absolutely unreal. She's drawn some really, really tough defensive assignments. She guarded Maddie Williams of Oklahoma, certainly will do so again this coming weekend in the rematch. She guarded Gabby Gregory of K-State, who was at the time the leading scorer in the Big 12 and did, I mean, 
terrific against both of those. And so you really kind of ratchet up the energy. You've got everyone else kind of matching that pace. Emily Ryan was very, very good about against Kansas held by Mayberry to a really, really rough day from the field. You've got Ashley Jones, who has certainly stepped up her defense as well. And, you know, whoever the the rotating cast of the fifth player there, whether it's Morgan, Izzy, Nye, uh, has has definitely stepped it up as well. I I love the energy that Nymeer Dew brings. She's been uh, really in, in rare form recently, I think, just recognizing, hey, you know what, like this is kind of a slog of a Big 12 conference. It's, it's still a very, very deep conference. There's a lot of very talented teams. And so she's certainly making sure that she is a spark, not just in the way she plays, but in the energy she brings. So it's really, really fun to see that. Fun to see Danae Fritz ha- have a really solid shooting game against TCU, three for four from three. And just she she very quietly gets kind of jacked up. You know, she kind of point to the bench, she'll clap. She, she gets into it but not to the point where it's affecting her play um so i i definitely enjoy that a whole lot it's just good to see them out there continuing to be the team that they always are but especially in the face of tough circumstances that's when uh it it really shines through just how connected they are um and and the the core of the program how great that is um I suppose before I forget, I'm I'm out of uh, rhythm as far as hosting this whole kind of podcast deal. But let's take a quick uh, detour here to remind our listeners that Homefield Apparel, they've got man, do they have all sorts of great stuff? They've been putting out some really great great capsule collections for a bunch of schools. Uh, Iowa State has not been one of them yet, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, may have occasion to be shopping soon. That remains to be seen, but. Uh, They've still got plenty of really terrific Iowa State apparel. They've got every team in the current and future Big 12 Conference. Plus, you know, I mean, anything else you could ever dream of. They've got all sorts of really great merch. But don't take my word for it. This is an audio platform. These need to be seen to be believed. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use code. Let's see. It's Cyclone 12. Cyclone, singular, no S at the end, 12 at checkout that's going to get you 15% off your first purchase. They were tweeting the other day that they found one person who had seven different emails uh, uh, that were variations of first name, last name, number that they had used to take uh, advantage of the 15% off every time they made an order, which I truly have to admire the dedication. Uh, I respect the hustle. I hope that they were making big orders and not doing that just to get like three bucks off a t-shirt. But hey, you know what? if you're going to go to the effort, I guess you, you earn that 15%. But if you're looking for your own 15%, Cyclone 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Okay. The hitting the, hitting the major points here. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, okay. Let's move on to the kind of the second, uh, segment not a segment the second thought I had for the night which was I I was talking with some friends the other day and we were discussing um the atmosphere in Hilton Coliseum especially for the Iowa State Texas men's matchup which you know like I said Eric you and I were both there um it was I mean it was crazy I presume that last night playing against K-State was just as crazy. I'm guessing you went to that one as well. What was yes, it like? I was there. Yes, it was very loud. I was <laughs> the Texas game. We were, we were down in the lower bowl and then 
the K State, we were in the upper bowl. So um, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to judge, you know, the sound <laughs> to try to compare them because we're in two different spots in the arena. But yes, it was very loud for both of them. I can confirm. And what we were saying is that, or what I was saying in the discussion was that Iowa State is a place that, from my perspective, you need to have a very, very specific culture built in order to be successful. Because let's be real, for most people, Ames, Iowa just is not a destination. They're not circling it on their map as a place they desperately want to go, that they desperately want to go and spend their college years just because of, you know, the weather and all the fun stuff to do. Like, obviously, I love Ames. I love the people. And that's the point is that there's places where there's probably more entertainment, where it's nicer outside. Um, there's places that have more money, more NIL to throw around, all of that. But Iowa State is a place that, at its best, really knows who it is as a school and as a community. And each team, as they really get their footing, I think they they really figure out a, a specific identity. And for us, you know, we grew up in women's basketball. Women's basketball has about as as specific of an identity as you can have because you have the longest tenured coaching staff in the country cumulatively. The 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 group that has been together, you know, the longest, the core group, and you've got a head coach who has been there for over two decades and you just have this this support that's been built over the years and you know when you go out there you're going to see a really specific style of play you're going to see a specific style of player and for me what what I think is you know both programs have kind of their saying right Iowa State women's basketball has the Iowa State way and men's basketball has that category five culture right and so I just wonder for you you know you grew up in the world of women's basketball and then you were there for the inaugural season of TJ's tenure as men's basketball and so what do you see from those programs that makes their players buy in and that makes the fans really buy in as well um well, I think the f most important thing, uh, well, for both programs really, is just establishing, you know, when get when the players get on campus, and I guess as your recruiting, you know, really putting in their mind, you know, what the what the culture and what the identity is, and you know, for for the men's team right now, it's you know playing hard, knowing you know your role. It's very clear to everybody, you know, in that locker room, you know, what their role is. You know, everybody has their role. And everybody knows where it is and, you know, where knowing where they're supposed to be at all times. And you know, on the defensive end, I think that's probably one of the biggest changes that we've seen under TJ and the staff is just the intensity and um, really the quality of defense. Just, you can just look at the metrics and see like, I'm, I'm don't know exactly. How, I don't remember all the stats back in the day, but, I'm guessing these are these defenses this year and last year are probably the best that we've seen at Iowa State, and I think part of that is just teams knowing exactly where they're supposed to be at all times, 
And then that really allows it allows guys to play at full speed and play hard and know exactly what they're doing because it's a lot harder to to really um I don't I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it's harder to play fast when you don't know where you're supposed to be. There's a lot of indecisiveness. And I think what you're seeing from Iowa State under um, the staff is guys know where they're supposed to be. And so they're able to get there a lot quicker. It has to be like second nature. Like sometimes your brain can't think as fast as you could move. And so you don't, you can't be actively thinking about it. Like it it has to just be automatic. Yeah. And so I think that's what we're seeing a lot of um, this year and last year is guys know exactly where they're supposed to be having it be second nature to them. I think that um, we've seen that in in conference play and, you know, really throughout both seasons. And sometimes, you know, guys can pl- – you can play as hard as you want, but if you don't know where you're supposed to be, you're going to give up open looks and you're going to give up points. And so I think um, just that, that attention to detail has been really good um, under the staff on the, on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, just knowing exactly – know what your role is, what you're supposed to do. I think we've seen guys um, really fill their role like, you know, Rob Jones, good screener, hard screener role, hard screener role, just knowing exactly what you're supposed to do. Um, A guy like this year, like Taman Lipsy, a great distributor of the ball, um, taking care of the ball, things like that. And then he's been really good at finishing around the rim. I mean, I could go down the line and miss everybody's role, but – I think everybody can kind of see what they are. And so everybody knows what their role is. Nobody's trying to trying to do anything outside of what they're capable of. And so I think that's what we're seeing from the men's side. And then on the women's side, again, it's it's the identity is a lot different, but it's kind of the same in that when everybody shows up on campus, you know what what you know, you know what the identity is and playing the Iowa State way. Um, I mean we could go on and on about like off the court, what that means and mm-hmm. um, you know, and how to behave in the locker room and just from what we've seen, um, you know, how to treat people and everything like that. Then on the court, um, I think the thing that gets associated most with Iowa state is, you know, the three point shooting and for however many years it's been making a three, the three point streak. I believe uh, just about as long as I've been alive, we're, we're going on 27. Yeah, and so <laughs> I I know there's you hear um you hear commentators and announcers like when the when you're playing on TV announcers who maybe aren't familiar with Iowa State commenting all the time about how many shooters they have on the floor and how at times all five players on the floor can step back and shoot threes and um so I think that's probably one of the biggest things when you think of identity for the women's basketball program over the years I think that's Um, one of the biggest things, but then also um, maybe one of the things that doesn't get talked about as much is on the defensive end, just forcing teams into doing things that they don't want to do, making players who maybe aren't, um, maybe aren't their leading scorers, making them be the ones who beat you. And Mm -hmm. especially now with like a a defender like Lexi, who can take away, um, well, and Danae too, I guess, recently being able to take away the, the top players from the other teams, making the other teams, um, maybe role players be the ones who, who beat you. I think that's one of the things that we've seen. And especially, you know, recently in these past few games, we've really been seeing that, which is what's helped the team uh, playing well recently. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they've always been very, very scout driven. And so when you then have players that have the defensive talent that several people on Iowa State do right now, that certainly makes it a lot easier to execute a scout. And, you know, you, you talk about how we could talk for hours about uh, just what the Iowa State means as a person. And that's what I know Coach Fenley has always really preached and always very much meant is that uh, he's he's wanting to develop people, not basketball players. It's about making you, you know, helping you be a better person than you were when you walked on campus, making sure you're prepared for whatever life is going to throw at you. And a lot of times it's a lot of adversity. And so they've always got to be really prepared for uh, tough situations. And then when things happen, like we've seen this year, you're at least a little bit more mentally prepared. And I mean, I want to emphasize for me that being, being back really involved with the team, traveling with them on the road, uh, calling their games, you know, really knowing the players as well as I have for a long time. Um, just what a, what a special group it is to be around, which I mean, the coaching staff I know says this all the time. Anyone who's around the team says it. And so I feel like hopefully people believe it that <laughs> you're not just like really hyping them up, but having been the little kid who looks up to them and, and really, the formative years, I mean, our entire life has been spent around their team, but especially I think back to being, you know, a, an elementary schooler, a middle schooler, and having that group of young women that we always were around and, and could rely on to kind of be there and just always like way kinder than they had to be <laughs> to like a little kid who's running around and like wants them all to be their big sister thinking of myself, like, how much that meant to me and now watching the players we have now do that for fans and for the families of the coaches who now have young kids like we were you know like that is just it's so valuable to see that and to see people embrace Iowa State to pe see people embrace the fans you know I think of in, in a similar way on the men's side you know you see video of Jaron Holmes and Taman Lipsy coming off the court last night and they're smiling and they're doing you know the dance to juicy wiggle and just you you get to have fun you get to be kind of a family and just how how cool it is to see players that value that um that environment and that family and that support they get from the community um just for you know for people like you and I who Iowa State means the the world do us I feel confident speaking for you as well as myself on that manner to see people really embrace it is is very special and to make a point on this I think it helps bring in people who also want that also want to be a part of that because I'm thinking of the fact that you know for I assume it's maybe the first time Iowa State has both a men's and women's McDonald's All-American coming in next year because this is only the second time Iowa State has had one after Lexi Donarski with uh, Addison Brown from Kansas and Omaha Billu from just over in Waukee, both being named to the McDonald's All-American squad. And so what I keep thinking is that to have teams with such defined culture, such defined standards, such defined roles, to you, does that seem, do you agree that that makes it a lot easier to recruit the right pieces? Because 
these are programs that no matter how well we do, you know, you can be sticking in the top 10. You're not a blue blood. So you're not always going to get the top recruit of every class, but you can maybe get like the exact right piece that's top 10, 20, 30. That's really going to elevate your team. Yeah. And just another point that like I kind of want to make is that you can, it's just, it's just funny how, um, you know, you have two programs at Iowa State, you know, you're both in the same town, the same university, but have two different, like two different playing styles mm-hmm. that are both really successful right now. I mean, both teams are going to be six and two and tied for first place in the, in the conference when we're recording this. And so the fact that you can have you know, two completely different playing styles, I mean, I know just men's and women's game, it's kind of different, but just the fact that one, um, with the men's team, you know, top 10 in defense. And then I mean, I guess the women's team has been pretty good at defense too. I was just saying, but just the identity, um, the, the men's team probably plays more physical style than um, the women's team, but just the fact that both of them are able to, uh, they're able to have success um, in what they do. I think, yeah, it helps with recruiting, you know, a guy like Omaha, um, he sees exactly what his role can be at Iowa state. You know, he, He's already a good defender for high school um, by high school standards, but then probably sees, you know, by coming here that he probably raises game even more and looking forward to, for him, probably looking forward to trying to make it to the NBA, you know, they'll value that. And, you know, he's, he's been shooting the ball well I saw this year. And so um, I think that he sees the opportunity to come to Iowa state and really grow his game and be a part of a team, um, that's really that's really showing a lot of growth and promise and being able to raise his game. You, know, you see guys going for huge NIL deals, but I think a guy like him, he sees like what the what the culture is like here, and he sees the opportunity to be a part of part of that culture and grow his game, whether it's for one year, two years, three or four four years, who knows? Um, but I think he sees that and he sees the ability to grow his game and be a part of a great culture and play in front of a big fan base, um, a passionate fan base, and then um, hopefully grow his game to where he can have success at the next level. And I think uh, for, you know, women's recruits as well, um, they see, you know, the style of play that we have and they're sold on, you know, how they fit into that system and, you know, how they can grow their game, how, grow their game how they can showcase their talents in the system and um and the women's fans too a really passionate fan base probably mm-hmm. more so that you see than you see at at other places um you know going to be some of the longest five. running support you know you you have at yeah. any program especially you know when you look at the results you know Iowa State is in a perennial final four team like most of the others who are in the top of the country as far as attendance goes. So it certainly says a lot there. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to play in front of crowds. Like we were were just watching the TCU game and (laughs) they're probably playing in front of like 65 people Yeah, um, in the crowd. I mean, maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but probably no more than probably. Yeah. Well, Iowa state had, I think probably 15 or 20 there. So (laughs) yeah. And then another, I just want to circle back to another point I want to make about this, the men's staff um, that I forgot to make earlier is just um, when they teach things, um, just really instilling into people's minds that we're not going to just try to do things like we're going to do them. 
Like, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things that I noticed um, during my time is like when they were describing how we're going to play defense. It's not like, for example, like I say, hey, guys, let's try to keep them out of the Let's try to keep him out of the middle. Let's try to force him left. Let's try to run him off the line. It was none of that. It's saying, no, we're going to keep him out of the middle. We're going to we're gonna force him left. We're going to keep him off the line. We're going to run him off the three-point line. We're going to contest. We're going to rebound. I think just instilling that mentality into guys' heads, I think that's really a big thing and maybe something that you know people don't really think about when, uh, when talking about coaching, but just really in, instilling that mindset in guys like, we aren't just going to simply try to do things like we're going to do them and that's just how things are going to be. And I think that's, um, I think that's really showing on the court. You know, when you see that the guys have that mentality of we're going to do things right. And I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing them have so much success. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really great point. That's super interesting because there is certainly something psychologically to saying, yes, this is, what we are doing. There is no other option. Either you're going to do this or someone else will, you know? So uh, I I certainly think that that does a lot as far as uh, developing people to their potential. Because like you mentioned earlier, you know, everyone remaining from last year has certainly taken huge strides. And a lot of that is being pushed in the right ways, uh, but also being supported. And I know for a fact, you know, TJ is really, really close with the guys. That's, that's very obvious. uh, Right. So it's, it's really interesting just to see, like you said, two programs with a significant amount of success, you know, obviously roots that run really deep, even though it's only TJ's second year as head coach, obviously he has uh, such such deep roots with Iowa State, has roots with uh, Iowa State women's basketball with Allison and all that. So it's really, really interesting just to see, uh, obviously, the very stark differences. But at its core, you know, there's just certain things that you do to succeed at a place like Iowa State. And both of those programs are doing so at the moment. And I mean, shoot, you look at the recruiting classes, you think they're setting themselves up pretty well to continue doing so for uh, for the foreseeable future. Yep. Yeah. The future is very bright for both programs. It's, I mean, I will, we'll, we'll get into that this summer, but oh my gosh, I think about that sometimes and I just like, I can't even hardly stand it. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to get into it, but it's very exciting. All right. I think that's, I think that's good. I, I really hope that the, um, the inside perspective uh, the two of us have with Iowa State men's and women's basketball hopefully yields some some interesting perspective that maybe some of our our friends out there listening uh, may not have. So super excited to dive into that. I got some interesting new tidbits from you on the men's program. That's always super fun. Uh, and hey, we're we're looking ahead to a couple more really exciting matchups this weekend. We obviously mentioned the Big 12 SEC matchup and you said, uh, you know, you're you're competing for a lot for the women's team as well. You've got Iowa State matching up with Oklahoma at home on Saturday to uh, potentially take the outright or at least maintain a share of first in the conference. So um, really, really big time for all Iowa State basketball, but I mean, it's it's really always a good time to be a cyclone. So with that reminder, you can always find us on social media. I am everywhere at J-Styes, J-S-T-E-Y-Z. You can find Eric, who 
came out of hibernation on Twitter to pop off a couple banger tweets. You can find him at Eric Steyer, E-R-I-C-S-T-E-Y-E-R. You can find uh, his his couple of little viral moments there. Very high quality content. Um, you saw, I'm sure you saw the uh, the ultimate result of your tweet about Brock Purdy's really fire fit was... Uh, I saw Haynes tweet or something yeah, about it. Yeah, because Chris Williams discussed it on his podcast. And then tagged Haynes and Haynes replied but Haynes has like no followers on Twitter which I can't believe no one wants to follow like a underwear t-shirt brand yeah, who's yeah who like what are you following who they gotta bump up Haynes? the marketing there but yeah. hey look you're getting noticed pal you're you're really going places me who's chronically online eh. you come out of hibernation pop off a couple bangers wait another six months and see what happens all right to be fair i'm just using i'm basically using other i'm just commenting on other people well actually really not even commenting just tweeting out a picture of brock in a white t-shirt and yeah little self muttering the words they're so much better than us you had maybe a lot i saw i saw there was a discussion contention. yeah i know i saw there's a lot of discussion whether you're saying bigger or better i don't know i thought it was saying better but then after some people said i'm like well maybe he was I don't know. I just I just let the people battle it out in the comments. I saw those. <laughs> More engagement. Uh, yeah. Okay, folks. Don't forget, follow our uh, parent network at 1012 Network. Uh, that's where I am a co-host of the 1012 podcast. You can find shows from most of the rest of the Big 12. I know we are, I think, getting maybe another one at some point fairly soon. I don't know. The other two co-hosts of the main show are the people that run things, and I just kind of pop in here and there and, and hear things. So maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. I don't know. No one's probably listening anymore. 1012 Network. Uh, we also are partnered with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports, not sports. They're hilarious. They're a great follow on Twitter at Sports Drink. Um, and yeah, go visit Home Field Apparel. And hey, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be another month till we record again. But hey, don't hold me to it. All right. Talk to you all next time. <laughs>